This time she finds herself standing at the door to her apartment, clasping the handle, trying to get out. The light she eventually turns on wakes her up, revealing a clock on the wall that tells her it's three in the morning. Six months since New Year's Eve, and the nightmares still come. Seven hundred miles away from Chicago, yet Layla still has horrific visions. In fact, they're getting worse. She glances at her short nails and notices that one of them is almost entirely cracked off and bleeding. She turns off the light and goes to the bathroom to find a band-aid. Sleep, she knows, will surely prove to be a little more difficult to find. The last Saturday of June is hot. Layla is glad to have a day off work, especially since she didn't sleep much after finding herself sleepwalking. Normally she'd be at the pool right around now, but it's so unbearably humid outside that she's still reading in her air-conditioned apartment. She's finishing up another Dennis Shore horror novel entitled Scarecrow that probably isn't helping the whole nightmare situation. At least it allows her to escape, even if the escape is harrowing in itself. The phone call surprises her because she rarely gets them. It takes her a few rings to uncurl off the couch and find the phone and say hello. There is only silence on the other end. Hello, she asks in a louder voice. Layla, a man whispers. She stops moving in order to hear the voice as clearly as possible. Layla Torres. Who is this? You know who this is. Though she doesn't recognize the voice, a part of her tells her who it belongs to. The same part of her that nudges her to look up and see who's coming around the corner. The same part that teases her with images and feelings and emotions at all the worst times. I see you. Who is this? I can always see you. And sometimes, if you close your eyes hard enough, you'll see me. He laughs in a warm, breathy way that sounds like he's quietly coughing. She hangs up the phone, but holds the receiver as if it's a gun, slightly away from her, waiting for it to ring again, waiting for it to go off like a bomb. She waits, but doesn't hear anything. Tucked in the back of the leather journal that rests on a small nightstand are a handful of photos that Layla finds herself examining on a daily basis. For a moment, as the sun fades outside her windows and the sounds of the city begin to stir, Layla glances at the black-and-white snapshot of Aunt Maxie. She can hear Aunt Maxie's Cajun drawl warn her about the phone call she received hours ago, a call she still can't help thinking about. Don't you dare go out, not now, not after that, Aunt Maxie would surely have told her. You might find a devil roaming the streets. The small but tough woman from Louisiana used to tell Layla ghost stories when she was young and impressionable. Her favorite was the story about the Rougarou, a werewolf that prowled after bad children late at night back in the bayou where she lived. Of course, the story was as fictitious as Maxie being their aunt. She had been hired as a maid by her father when Layla was still just in grade school.
Aunt Maxie worked for the Torres family for almost eight years before vanishing with nothing more than a short cryptic note to Layla. Layla still often wonders where Aunt Maxie disappeared to. Maxie was the closest thing Layla had to a mother since her own had passed when she was only four years old. There's no photo of her mother in the few she has kept with her. For some reason, she clings to the worn shot of Aunt Maxie taken in the middle of a conversation. She was probably telling one of her scary stories about a voodoo witch or a spooky spirit. Of all the things Layla struggled to believe growing up, Aunt Maxie's stories weren't one of them. The shadows of Greenville at night offer refuge but not necessarily escape. She walks as if she has a destination, passing couples strolling hand in hand.